0: This is a Cherish podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Boudreau. I'll be taking you for an inside look behind the glamorous facade of the interior design industry. At a time when every aspect of the business, from sourcing to trends to marketing to dealing with clients, is undergoing rapid change. As every designer knows, it's no longer enough to create beautiful rooms. You have to make sure that the world, or at least potential clients, knows about them. Design is a business and every business needs marketing. But what is the best way to market your firm? Like so much else, that process has been upended and traditional norms no longer apply. At the moment, Instagram rules, but what about websites, blogs, even email? Just because a tool is old, that doesn't mean it no longer works. Many traditional techniques still have power, Today, I'm joined by three designers who keep their work in the forefront with everything from Instagram to Facebook, and yes, email marketing. First, I'm pleased to have with us Katie Curtis, a New York-based designer who takes a global view toward classic design and creates rooms that are refined, but also colorful and comfortable and full of vintage finds. Welcome, Katie.
1: Thank you, Michael. So good to be here.
0: I'm glad you're here. From Los Angeles, we have designer Kevin Isbell who energizes traditional design with glamorous touches, jewel tone palettes and animal prints, whether at country estates or beach cottages. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Michael. How are you? Good. Glad you're here. Me too. And we're also fortunate to have with us Marie Burgos, a designer and feng shui master who works in both New York and L.A., crafting harmonious, clean line and serene interiors. Welcome, Marie.
2: Hi, Michael. Pleased to be here.
0: Glad you're all here. So, you know, this is a big topic. How do you get your work out into the world? And I'd love to get a sense from each of you how you got started with that and how it's evolved, and then we'll get into more specific tools. But why don't we start with you, Katie?
1: You know, I feel like we started really early on with SEO. That was one of the waves that I saw coming early on. So we started, gosh, probably 15 years now and making sure our website was optimized for SEO. And historically, I know this is not typical for a lot of design firms, but historically we got a lot of our business from our website and we paid close attention to Google algorithms and, you know, really did everything we could to stay on top. And then guess it was 10 years ago, believe it or not, Instagram came around. And honestly, I wish I had taken it a little more seriously than I did at the time, But you know, we've seen Instagram really kind of take over the search engines. Also, Pinterest is something that we've been really turning to and focusing on lately, just really pulling out all the stops and staying on top of technology. We have really utilized technology to its fullest to get clients, but again, it's changing so fast and we weren't really on top of the Instagram game, but still staying on top of SEO and probably i would say the past 5 years turned to instagram as we started to see that was really a viable way of marketing your your work.
0: Yeah, i don't think anybody expected how powerful instagram was going to be. I know in our some world. people who I mean, did. How, how, <laughs> oh, well, i'm sure they're doing very well. <laughs> they are. So, Kevin, i'd love to get, i'd love to get a sense from you because you know, i know i remember 15 years ago very well when people started doing websites and i thought, well that's great and it's important to have a great website, but how do you get people to your website. Exactly. So how did that work out for you, Kevin?
3: I don't know that it did, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. I wish I could be, you know, as as on top of it as that Katie was. I was always sort of of the mindset that my work speaks for itself. And I had the website out there and I had a good sort of referral system and all of that. And
0: Because yes, that's another great old-fashioned tool, word of mouth. Exactly. I'm, and
3: that still works. Yes.
0: <laughs> and that still works.
3: Yes. I joined Instagram very early on. But I was doing Instagrams. I was, in, you know, what was inspiring me around, it was not a marketing tool at all.
0: It was more personal.
3: It was absolutely more personal. And so it's interesting to see over the time, all of my early followers that have dropped off because now my my feed is more basically a my website portfolio, right? Um, so that's been really helpful in driving people to the website. I do a little bit on Facebook, but it's not my bread and butter, if you will. I know Katie has had more success, I think, with Facebook maybe than I have. And then, again, the email marketing, which I guess we'll get into the meat that later.
0: We will definitely get into that. So, Marie, (laughs) how about you? When did you first do your website? How did you get it going?
2: I'm more of a newcomer than you guys. Actually, I, I did not start 15 years ago. I wasn't in the market. I wasn't a designer 15 years ago. I was in a completely different career. But I uh, started my, my business, tough year, uh, 2008. Uh, this Another is the tough <laughs> year. <laughs> exactly. They keep coming. Another tough year, but we're in 2020. But it's been 12 years and, you know, I haven't looked back since, really. But uh, for me, it's been, I've been learning as I go, really. So started with a website, obviously. But my business has been a lot of word of mouth to start with. So it was really about communicating, about creating those relationships, not only with clients, but also with uh, with friends, with with contractors, with you know craftsmen. Uh, so those having these these links made with people that I work with, and starting building a team, and then it's evaluated to more marketing. I didn't get to uh, you know uh, newsletters, you know email marketing uh, straight away. It was more like I had a little Facebook page, and then I really took that more seriously when my design was starting getting published or like I launched also uh, my own line of furniture that was in 2018. And then I needed really to promote it and Instagram also like what that at this time, like to, I started on Instagram, like in 2018. So it's not like it came right away. Right. My, my first love was really blogging. So with the website, that's how I, I got a lot of following is with the blogging.
0: Yes, because blogs are now, again, at this point, old-fashioned, but they still, I think, work. So had,
2: it does your blog,
0: you still do your blog?
2: I still blog. I had like a, a time period where I completely abandoned the blog because I didn't have time. Right, I was right. it is very time-consuming. <laughs> I, I was literally like on job sites and uh, running my team and like creating design. So I didn't have time to dedicate to blogging for a while. And then I went back to it like with the pandemic, really. And then realized like people were really like searching for new ways of living differently. So my Instagram picked up, the blogging picked up, the website, I started selling products online. I also had the time to reconsider and review my strategy
1: during those last few months.
2: It's like, okay, what, how can I put my services in front of clients that I used to meet face to face? Now I don't. Uh, how can I actually uh, sell my collection? And Because people don't go to showrooms anymore so much. So how to put that together on on an accessible visual. And it's not also like some way to bother people like like having a newsletter coming every two days. Really bringing some relevant topics, something that's going to be relevant to them today.
0: And so do you have a mailing list that you notify that you put something on your blog? How does it work so they know that it's there?
2: So basically, like it's a combination of different things. When people go on the website, they can register for the newsletter. Mm-hmm. I increased also my contacts by really reaching out to design firms and uh, architect firms for my product lines, because a lot of my line is sold through the trade. Right. And also, I've done some shows like ICFF, Architectural Digest shows for the collections. So... This was a way, a way also to have more people on my mailing list. Right. Um, so so you're constantly building that. up the
0: mailing list.
2: Const- constantly building right.
0: it. Right. Katie, how about you in terms of your mailing list? Because I know that you have a, done that and built up your list over the years. How does that, What's the most effective way of doing that?
1: Well, I think our mailing list, I mean, again, we started at the very beginning, so I think That has helped to have history. Yeah, (laughs) it's kind of years and And years and years of of building (laughs) up the list, and we use a program called Flowdesk for our newsletter, and it integrates with our Outlook contacts, so Fortunately, or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, if you email anyone in the office, you kind of automatically get added to the list. So it makes it super easy to, instead of having to enter all the contacts, then it oh, happens great. kind of automatically. call it's called Flowdesk? Flowdesk, F-L-O-D-E-S-K. Nice. And okay. it also has great Flowdesk. layout. Mm-hmm. Um, we used another program, Constant Contact, for years. And one of my employees turned us on to Flowdesk, and it just has such a great interface and layout. It looks a lot more professional great much easier to use
3: great That is
0: a
1: and kevin i want to get a sense from
0: you about what you use i mean i know like we all use instagram and i think it's very powerful but it is insta and you know you don't have a chance for a lot of copy and i think one of the advantages of email marketing or blogs or however you want to do it is that you get more of the personality of the designer absolutely you know, so I'd love if you talked a little about how you think about that.
3: Well, that it's exactly that, you know, it's more of a way of learning what's happening in my life, be it personal or professional. It's just a way of storytelling, you know, more so and that gets you more connected to the client and the client base because that's really what it is at the end of the day most clients don't know the difference between a sofa or whatever so they could go to katie they could go to marie they could come to me it's they hire the person that they're most feel connected to and so it's really about helping to build that connection on a more personal level without it feeling super Mm salesy you know so it could be like my italian husband's favorite new restaurant in la or you know like little things like that that we can incorporate into
0: it so they're touch points that go beyond just your design work
3: correct they almost never address the design work unless it's something like you know at kipps bay or those kinds of things um but it's mainly just sort of about think of it as like that random christmas card letter that you get Mm -hmm. you know that has sort of the the bullet points whatever. Timmy and Susie have done all year. It's kind of that situation, but quarterly.
0: Oh, so I was going to say, that was my next question. How often do you send out these kind of things? Because you uh, want to feel connected to people, but you don't want to feel barraged. So you send it quarterly? Correct. I, I do. Uh huh. And what about you, Marie? How often do you send out a newsletter?
2: I used to do, do once a month, and for the last, the last, I would say, five months, probably. We've been doing like three uh, months. I don't want to, you know, have one every two days, too so, because every like mm-hmm. it fills up the mailbox very, very fast, and then you get kicked out. Yeah, it does <laughs> yes. yes. You get on the junk list <laughs> very fast. You don't want to be. You on don't want to be
0: unsubscribed. List.
2: So, and it's only when something's right. new coming up. Uh,
0: So, it's not a set schedule. It's like when you have a new piece or a new thing.
2: It's like we try to send, like, to have a set three days during the month or four days, like if we have there's a holiday coming up or there's uh, some uh, announcement of things like that. But it's not, we don't have like a set in stone stress schedule. We try to be a little bit more organic uh, when there's new products or. you and know, Katie, how, how
0: often do you send out notices of any kind? I mean, other than Instagram. Twice a month. Twice a month. Twice a month, yes. Okay, so this is all a lot of work, as we know. So how do you guys handle that? Do you have, mm. like, let's, let's start with you, Kevin. Do you, do you have someone on your staff that does a lot of this? Do you give it freelance? Do you use an?
3: I outsource it. I have someone, the same person that built my website and kind of cleaned up my Instagram, got me moving there, does them for me.
0: And this is a full-time staff person?
3: No, no. It's no, a freelance. No, this is a freelance. That's correct. correct. You hire somebody. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, I do most of the copy, but right. she kind of sort of comes in with you know layout and and uh, content ideas and so forth. Okay, Marie. What
0: about you? Do you have a staff person, an agency that you use? How does it work?
2: I actually hired one of my ex interns because she really had we really connected. She really had that touch where you know, with the collection with the uh, brand.
0: She got you.
2: Uh, create, absolutely. She's French also, and she's a, uh, so we really connected in that. Uh, so uh, she's preparing the newsletters. Uh, I'm doing the copy. So we kind of like programming on a monthly basis. Okay, so what are we going to talk about? And what images we're going to select for, for those newsletters. We do the same for programming our Instagram, Facebook, and all the different social medias.
0: So you really have a schedule.
2: Yes, we're really pretty much on the schedule so we mm-hmm. can attend to designing.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. Gotcha. And Katie, how does it work for you?
1: I have a full-time employee, Michael, and I have to say, you know, I had kind of been dreaming about having a (laughs) full-time person to take over this kind of thing for a long time. And it was really the best hire I ever made. I also find that kind of like Kevin was saying, you know, how do you let your personality come across? And I do think that Instagram, especially Instagram stories is the best way to do that. But there's so much mystery about what we do, and every designer does things a different way, and I tend to speak in a different language and at a very high level, and I don't think clients understand me most of the time.
0: (laughs) You threw me at the beginning talking about (laughs) SEO. I had to remember what it was.
1: CDs or, you know, whatever (laughs) it might be. So it's, for me, it's having that person who, and my person in house does not have an interior design background. So she can kind of take all the stuff that's in my head and put it into something that a normal person can understand. And sometimes I'm fighting with her a lot about it. Like nobody cares about the ways to make your living room cozy or, you know, I want to talk about this $200,000 chest over here and, and We just actually launched a new website or kind of a revamped website. And my website person said, you know, Katie, there's the client that you're trying to attract. And then there's all the other people that you want just for SEO, you want for your Instagram following, you want for the, the kind of backup and the bulk to reach that potential client. And you need the top 10 tips of how to make your living room cozy for fall. And you, Mm -hmm. you know, you need all that content that I sort of think is a waste of time or silly or nobody cares about, but a lot of people. You think everybody knows it already. Exactly. Cause I do. In Reality. They don't. Speaking
0: (laughs) as a foreign magazine editor, let me tell you, we did it many, many times. And but people don't necessarily get it or it's a new generation or whatever. So those things need to be reiterated. So how do you strike a balance between that and showing off your rooms with the $200,000 chest or whatever? Is it proportionally or just go by your gut?
1: Well, I think the Instagram main feed is really where we try to have the best, Mm -hmm. you know, the prettiest content, the published content. And then Instagram stories is more the day-to-day, the personality. And then the blog, I mean, this is just the formula that we use that I'm happy to share. The blog is more SEO. What are people searching for? What's seasonal? Mm -hmm. What, you know, the... Top Thanksgiving recipe, right. you know stuff that I think is a silly waste of time, but gets traffic to the website and gets us up in in search, and actually might be really valuable in helping people.
0: <laughs> right, absolutely. But uh, here's another question, Kevin. I'd love to just start with you on this one. Do you have a personal Instagram feed as opposed to your professional? Again, it's like how do you mix? Oh God, no.
3: one's enough, right? No, I could barely <laughs> okay. manage the one because the reality is design Mm -hmm. is my life and I am the brand is me the it's just all me but I'll piggyback a little bit on what Katie was saying in that my feed is definitely where the curated content is and thank god when stories came along because I was feeling a little stifled Mm -hmm. by that you know so then I can be a little bit more Mm -hmm. loose and a little more fun in stories and even I dabbled a teeny bit uh-huh. in TikTok um during which the dance pandemic, did you do but no savage <laughs> no savage dances none of that you know i wanted to try that out and then instagram came out with reels right it's like a, another platform they right. shot down you know or yes. consumed whatever you the want. big fish eating the little <laughs> fish correct but, which is fine because tiktok's not really right. my demographic but i was trying to see if maybe get in at the right. beginning of something but then when reels came along it was right. like what's right. the point and Marie, what about you? Do you
0: have a do you have a personal account or a personal Facebook page even? Or
2: I have doubled a lot of, <laughs> of a lot of things. Actually, I have two Facebooks because I had originally a personal one. Uh, so then I had to open one for the collection and transform my personal one in business. <laughs> and then by Instagram I have one. Pinterest, I have two because I have to have one for the collection and one for the design services. So it's it, it's just mm-hmm. it's a lot. It's a lot to carry, but uh, I can't have personal personal uh, social media. It's just, when do you have time to manage those?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't have a business one and I can't keep up with the personal one either. So <laughs> I, I totally understand. It is overwhelming. That's why I was asking about it. It is overwhelming.
2: It is. It is overwhelming. And uh, like Kevin and, and Katie say, um, it's it's really like so you have your feed that shows your professional pictures and uh, publication and things like that, and then behind the scene events basically happening and on stories. So and to attract people to your page also.
1: Hi everybody, and thanks for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying the Cherish podcast. My name is Anna Brockway, and I am the co-founder and president of Cherish. Professional designers are invited to join the Cherish Trade Program to access special benefits like net pricing and a special trade-only customer service hotline. New this year, we're also introducing a loyalty program where designers earn $75 in cash for every $5000 they spend on Cherish. We do hope you'll join us, and in order to do so, please visit cherish.com/trade. That's spelled C-H-A-I-R-I-S-H.com backslash trade. And now back to the show.
0: With all this stuff that you're doing, because you guys are really out there, what do you think is the most effective in bringing you actual business, whether it's selling your furniture or your item, you know, vintage piece that you find or bringing in design clients? Can you even tell where you're getting interest from and people are approaching you? Can you you ask them? Oh, did you see me on Instagram? Did you get my email? What do you think is most effective and what's your sense? Why don't we start with you, Katie?
1: If I knew what was the most effective, I would probably only do that and nothing else. But I kind of feel like everything, you have to sort of have the whole package. And if somebody finds you maybe initially on Instagram, eventually they're going to look at your stories and try to get to know you. And then eventually they're going to go to your website to see your portfolio and maybe find out more information and and we actually, our website is quite content heavy, which I have been criticized for because there's a lot of information there. And I really feel like you need to have that information because now people wanna feel like they know you before they even pick up the phone and call or contact us through the email contact form. So I feel like our website's pretty effective, but now people are coming through Instagram, but you still have to have the website. And and then they're still going to look at your Pinterest page and see if it's professional looking. And if you. I think there's a lot to be said for having consistency across all of the media and knowing that you're really a professional. So I kind of feel like we have to have it all there.
0: So it's one image, but on different formats. Absolutely. Okay. And Kevin, do you sort of feel the same?
3: Or yeah, I really do. I feel like there's no one avenue. A lot of it, you know, if let's say a potential client's in, in a, a client's home, they see it, ask who did it, then they're going to either Google me, go to Instagram, go to, you know. So it, it's just one supporting the other. Mm-hmm. And you do need to kind of be present across the platforms, you know, so it does give that professional kind of right. touch, I guess. Right.
0: And, and, and consistency. A consistency. Correct. Of vision Yes. Right. Marie, how about you? Is that sort of the same for you?
2: Yeah, I'm on the same page because it's a whole people, you know, Google you and they're going to find all the information on different platforms and there's no one avenue to find it.
0: Okay. So this leads to my next question, which is, you guys were talking a lot about stories, which is quite frankly, something I don't really know how to utilize and maximize and make sense of. But of course your feed is the more professional people can refer to your feed. It's up there. Anyone can check out your feed and I've researched people that way and it's great. So how do you approach that? Like, do you put professionally photographed images on your feed, but then maybe you do the stories in a more fun way. What do you put on stories? Are they process stories? Kevin, you start.
3: Well, yeah, a little bit of both. Um, But mainly for me, stories helped me regain some of that enthusiasm I had about Instagram when I first started. So it is that more instant gram kind of quality. So I think people look to your feed to be more professional and more tailored to, you know, sort of your aesthetic. And here is a way to show a little bit more of the background, installation shots. I only do the super produced stories around certain events. You know, anytime I'm published or something like that, I might do stories dissecting a room or, you know, when I was just at Kip's Bay in Palm Beach at the beginning of the year. And so there was a lot of stories around that room and and sort of dissecting all the details. But for the most part, I think people look to stories to see more of the unedited version of the person, it's even more intimate, completely as that. Yes, exactly. Right. Although they're completely as stylized as, you know, they just made to look as if they're not,
0: right? So you have a photographer film your stories as well, or do you do it yourself? No, I just do it myself. You do it yourself, yeah, but yeah. you you style everything and before you pick up your... Oh. For the most part. Yeah.
3: Right, right, right. You still want to yeah. look good. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yes.
0: And Katie, is the same for you or... I mean, would you like take an off the cuff photo of something you just happen to see on the street of walking through New York City or something mm-hmm. and say, I love this, and then put it on your feed, or would you put that on stories? How does it work?
1: Again, the the feed is mostly the pro shots, the published shots, things like that. Okay. And the stories right. or what my goal is to do with the stories is to let that potential client know who we are before they even pick up the phone. to to give that insider view on the day-to-day goings-on at Katie Curtis Design. But I also love stories for when we have that installation or we have that photo shoot that we know isn't going to be published until six months from now. But I want people to see like a little bit of it. And I have been, and I'd love to know everyone else's thoughts on this, because I have been accused by a publicist who will remain unnamed of putting too much on stories, perhaps, but they disappear in 24 hours, so I wasn't worried about it. But the fact that you know we're showing a lot of of work on there for something that might be published on down the road, if that might be a deterrent for an editor, I'm not sure I'd love to to get everybody else's feedback on that. But that's exactly why I love stories, because it could just be a quick little snippet of what we're working on, but maybe it's not coming out for another year and I can't show anyone, but you can get a quick bite of it on Instagram stories, which I love.
3: I'm gonna just jump in on that real quick because I have a publicist who told me the exact opposite.
1: There
3: you go. Okay, so I, I for instance, for instance, my home is in LA. Will be in California. Home Can't in the wait. next issue. So Great. I have to just scrub my account 30 days in advance or whatever. So, but I am allowed to post yeah. them, right? And I have other stuff coming out with House Beautiful in in the spring and other things like that, that some of those images have been made making it on their way. So I think that magazines might be a little less um, stringent about that as they were because they understand they can't compete with the power Of Instagram, and they also can't compete with the immediacy. No designer wants to wait another year and a half before you know their their piece comes out in House Beautiful or Veranda or whatever New England Home. It's so I think magazines are are sort of loosening their grip a little bit about that, or fear that they're going to lose the entire waiting for a year
2: means also you don't actually you lose potentially business because you haven't shown one of your latest yes. projects, which might appeal to other potential clients. So uh, things like you know, a right. snapshot of, of right. it is
0: And if it's being published, it's probably one of your best projects. So keep that under wraps for so long. And I, when I was a magazine editor, that was all, that was just starting to become an issue, but it was something we realized you had to adjust to. And it's only become more so with Instagram becoming that popular. I want to get back a little bit to email because, again, I think email is still a really valid tool and you guys all use it and realize its importance. But my question at this point is how do you decide, you know, you put the fun things on stories, you put some beautiful photographs on your feed for Instagram. How do you decide what you're going to email out? Because I think in a way email is giving something even more importance in a way than if you just put it on your feed. Maybe I'm naive that way. And I'm old fashioned. Email was first. And I think of it still being powerful. How do you think about what you send out as an email uh, message to your list? Katie, let's start with you.
1: We actually, again, we have a formula for it. I like processes. (laughs) So (laughs) we have a formula and we are trying to blog once a week and then send the newsletter out twice a month. So if we feel like our blog post is particularly relevant, like top five ways to make mm. your living room cozy for fall, and I'm cringing, but you know, people <laughs> open that stuff. Right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah um, so we might have yeah blog post as a feature will feature press, but I do try to make it something that would be interesting to open or relevant or something that people might actually want to know about, even if I think it's not something they might want to know about. So I try to, you know, I wouldn't call it clickbait, but at least try to make it something that is helpful and relevant and something that people might actually be interested in rather than, hey, look at us at this magazine or that magazine, which we do that too, just to build some street cred. Right. but. I try to make it something that people might actually be interested in.
3: Yeah, but you bury that in the book, right? You don't. It. That's not front of book. The the press stuff. Of, of course, it's always okay, sales. of course, yeah. Right. That's
1: there. Right. And I do think people want to see right. your press too. Like that is still interesting.
0: Well, a you're celebrating because yeah. I would think you'd all be happy to, to get press, and B it's letting them know, like you said, Katie, because right. you street cred. I mean, oh, my designers in this or this woman I'm thinking about. But this guy I was thinking about hiring, he's just in California homes. He has a cool home. That's going to help you. And they may not subscribe to the magazine or get, well, there's no more newsstands. So where are they going to get on the newsstand? But, you know, so this way they know, oh, he's an accredited acclaimed designer and I want to have him work with him or her. You know, I think that that is something worth celebrating. But if you're mailing out twice a month, I would think that in a way, it's going to be kind of hard to come up with, Fresh things to present to your, your fans. Let's face it, it can
1: be. Yeah. Because yeah.
0: your fans are the people on your list. If they're not your fan, they're going to drop off the list. As Marie was saying, you don't want to lose people, but they, some of them will drop off. So, Marie, how do you think about what you email out?
2: We actually look at the, the season, the time, like what's what's happening on the calendar, really, in real mm-hmm. life. And so we have, we break it down in different areas. So we have a product line whether it's new products that we introduce or something that's relevant to the time, like new furniture pieces, but uh, it can be, you know, the candles, it can be uh, pillow lines that's coming up, things like this. And then we have also a portion where we're celebrating, like you said, uh, for a new new publication or or are we sharing, you know, some knowledge from the blog or some uh, some tips. Uh, So it's it's like having it broken broken down. So there's a piece for, for everybody, a piece of interest.
0: Right, right. And Kevin, what about you? How do I decide what to put in there? Yeah, how do you, what, what's important enough to you to put in? Well,
3: there? career achievements are one, you know, like the last one being sort of the Kips Bay. Thing, but it's more seasonal, like both of them were saying, you know, just sort mm-hmm. of what's in the zeitgeist mm-hmm. at the moment, what's sort of out there. And then we try to add little just fun things you know about LA, and you know just little, sort of more lifestyle-y. A
0: new shop that you found. Yeah, exactly, or, yeah. exactly.
3: Yeah, yeah, right.
0: And how big? Are, how big is your mailing list? If you don't mind, just I don't have know any idea off the top of my head. I, I'm <laughs> sorry, I don't.
2: That's okay. Yeah, Marie,
0: do you have any sense of how big your list is?
2: It's like almost five thousand. Uh
0: huh. And what about you, Katie? Yeah,
2: so easily. I think ours is
1: about four thousand. Yeah,
0: that seems like a very healthy number. Yeah, that does. That you know, I mean. That's impressive that you guys have that much steady fans. Right. Do you think they're mostly clients, friends of clients, vendors, or just people that discovered you?
2: It's actually like uh, we have them separated, like the base of clients, and we have the trade, uh, and we have the press. And then also when this different event, I was on a a feng shui submit uh, event. Mm -hmm. I was a presenter, and so I had a specific list for my factory fans, basically. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really, so trying to uh, send relevant contents to the different, you know, lists. So most of the time, everything we send can go to everybody on the list, but sometimes it's just specific to the type of clients we're trying to, uh, to reach, or the type of target, you know, if it's a, a more the trade, you know, promotion on our collection. So then we would focus on the trade for that.
0: And, and do you, all of you have a professional like mailing house that does your email distribution, or do you have somebody on staff that does that? I mean, 4,000, 4, 5,000 people, that's a lot to maintain. You, you, do you know what service you use? Do you like MailChimp or something like that? Or
3: that's what we use in our office is MailChimp, but I also, I don't harvest email addresses maybe like Katie does, or um, so mine is a based on a, you know, you sign up on the website kind of situation. So I'm not capturing think, everyone that has come into the office. So mine is right. a little bit more tailored to people who actually want to receive contact. Yes. Right.
0: Right. Cause I think you all on your websites have a place that you can sign up. You for can the sign up for, Absolutely. The, Absolutely. Yeah, for the newsletter. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and just how effective is that? Do people actually use that and go come in off the website, Katie?
1: A little bit.
0: Yeah. It's just, I mean, it doesn't cost you anything to have it there. I think yeah. it's probably no. smart business to have it.
3: But my takeaway will definitely be Katie's tip on the, and I will start capturing everyone who who emails because why not?
0: Yeah, it sounds like, right. a, mm-hmm. that yeah. not? What, was it, what was it called? Desk flow, workflow? Work. Flow desk. Flow desk. <laughs> flow desk. Flow desk. And, get... and you
1: send the emails directly from there right. too. And you get all your, it's like MailChimp. That's they're, great. They're kind of all the That's same. That's a
0: great thing. Okay. So I wanted to get a sense now, because you guys are all very established and successful and congrats to all of you. But let's say I was a designer, not necessarily starting out, but maybe I've worked for a, a well-known designer for four or five years, and I want to go out on my own. What would be your advice at this point in time? Which God knows things change as we go along, rapidly. Maybe they should be doing TikTok dances. I don't know. But what would be your?
3: <laughs> no, no. I don't see I don't see design in that space. No, I don't.
1: I actually do. And we've had a lot of arguments oh, well, just, about this in my office. Well, go
3: ahead? I, I think from a DIY sort of, you know, tips like your top 10 pillows or whatever for fall, that's something that TikTok would respond to. But I, I think as far as a like portfolio presentation, that I think okay. maybe not.
0: But what would you advise a, some a designer starting out at the, to put the emphasis on? Obviously, I would think they need a backbone of a website.
3: Yes, you absolutely need a website because they're eventually going to get to that. Even if every image on your website they can find on Instagram, they're still going to go there, right? It's probably not the number one place people are looking for you any longer.
0: I'm right.
3: So my suggestion would be focus on Instagram and interactions on Instagram, right? You have access Green. to people. You have ac- direct access to the editor-in-chief of every magazine on mm-hmm. the planet. You know so, just start engaging those people and start following and
0: so making comments
3: repost comments, absolutely okay. Yes. And you, you want more, <laughs> right? You want more concrete. I see.
1: No, I would um, love to yeah, have a sense. I,
0: I, I mean, because I really don't know. I mean, I'd love to get a sense and. Like Katie, what would you recommend?
1: Well, I have seen, and I don't know if this is even possible anymore with the way Instagram has changed their algorithms, but I have seen designers come right out of the gate and get a million followers on Instagram and have work and have real businesses, which is kind of horrifying (laughs) as a, you know, someone has been doing this for a really long time. Instagram does allow you to have the facade of having real business and Mm -hmm. having a lot of, a lot of work. There was a, I I missed it, but there was a a Zoom yesterday with Robert Ruffino and and Mika Tenhav and Hadley Keller on social media etiquette. And. Someone in my office listened to it, but communicated to me that posting other people other people's work is an absolute no no. But that has been the mo for a lot of young designers to to get work yeah. and even and even build a business, even with crediting. But when you look at that Instagram feed, right. you assume that that's all their work. So there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. I agree.
0: I think that has happened. There were a lot of people who put up stuff, and they would say, you know, oh, I love Morella Agnelli, This great room by so and so. Which is fine, but I think as Insta has become ever more quick, people just look at it and think that that's the person who's posted at work. But hopefully people pay a little more attention to
3: that. But I, but is that the designer who's posted problem or is that the attention span of the people looking at it? Well, exactly. you know, for instance, recently Mark Epstein passed away. And I just posted a picture of his work and talking about, you know, the power of Instagram because we met through Instagram and all of that. And people would comment mm. about, oh, I love your use of purple in this room, you know? And it's like there's an entire paragraph up there talking about, you know, this homage That's to Mark someone Depsteen, who just passed right. away, know. you know? But I always clarify that in the post. Yeah. I think it's a fine line. Personally, for me, about whether you post other people's work or not, because
0: it does. M- I get, get
3: inspired by other people's work, yeah. and my Instagram feed is not my website, right? Although it is, right. it's not my portfolio, mm-hmm. but it's more about what I'm. So I don't agree with that at all. But it has to be a fine balance. There are definitely people out there who are way more other people's work than their own. Yeah,
0: I think it's very important that it be credited, but I do- Oh,
3: 100%, that's without question. But I do think you're
0: right. Everybody's inspired by something or somebody's got a new book out or you want to extol that. But it's right, you're right. People have a much shorter attention span even than we used to 10 years ago. Right. right. And, you know, if somebody's misreading that, I don't know what the answer to that is. You know,
3: it's like Yeah, that's that's what that's right. the only point I'm trying right. to make. Is it my problem that you can't read or is it right. your own right. right?
0: Exactly. So, Katie, you'd say obviously get a good Instagram going. But of course, designers who are starting out don't have a lot of work to post.
1: Which is why I brought that right. subject up because really if you don't have a huge body of work, what are you going right. to post? So, it it becomes an an interesting question, I think.
0: But you're not going to answer it. <laughs>
1: I'm not going to, I don't know what the, yeah. I, my answer would be detail shots, you know, do the best you right. can express your personality. I, I don't know how Art you could get away from not posting other people's work. you ceramics
0: that you admire. Yeah. I think there's, you know, this is how people express their visual personalities or personalities and their exactly. visual sensibilities right. is, you know, I love Lucy Ray's ceramics or I love early Picasso or I, I love the Frick. And I love those fabric walls at the Frick. I mean, there's a lots of ways you could get your aesthetic out into the world when you're starting out. Marie, what about you? What do you think in terms of a young designer?
2: Young designers, I think it's really like, they should post about what uh, what inspires them. So now it's like, there's not only images of other designers. There's also uh, products, fabrics. Right, Wall covering. There's like, so they can like really show what's out there right. and still credit it to the, right. you know, to the firm uh, that actually produced those pieces, but they can show an aesthetic. They can have a color scheme going through uh, their right. page by picking up. So for example, it's this week, it's, we, we're showing blues like, or this week it's fall. So it's fall. We, we're showing all orange and uh, kind of a colors, color schemes. So you could have, you know, artwork with those color schemes. You can have fabric, you can have wall covering, you can have accent chairs, so there's there's a lot of ways to promote uh, your aesthetic, right? Uh, showcase also that you've done research, that right? You've, that uh, you know some history you're aware of what exactly mm-hmm. that you know some history, but also you have the potential of finding different resources, a lot of resources to right. create beautiful designs. Right.
0: Can't wait till I can create a room using this Schumacher fabric or whatever. <laughs> exactly, I mean, exactly. That's what I would be doing. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: Videos also right. are very great. Okay, uh, yeah. like Videos are great. Yeah. Videos yeah. Are great.
0: Exactly. Oh. And what about in terms of for them starting mailing lists? Obviously, I don't think that... What should young designers be emailing out to their small, we assume, coterie of fans and friends? Just
3: information? They can just start with, mm-hmm. hey, look, I'm here, right? If if they came from... You know, like mm-hmm. I came out of Jeffrey Bilyeuver's office, right? So I had a lot of knowledge and not a lot of mm-hmm. exposure, right? So... I may or may not have had a few of those email (laughs) addresses, you know? And so you just start there like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm at now. And it's just keeping them aware of what you're up to.
0: Katie, what do you think?
1: Well, I'm thinking back to when I started my business and some of my best referrals came from vendors. So I think you, you start with what you have. You never know. One of our best residential clients came from a commercial carpet vendor of mine. So you just never, you know never know where those connections are going to come from and whatever mailing list you have right. start there. Right.
0: And I think that's a a very good point. You should keep your vendors and craftsmen and all informed as well. They should oh, all absolutely. be on your 100%. Email list. 100%.
3: Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that gets forgotten and I'm so glad you guys brought that up because I think that's a crucial thing and as you said Katie it's going to help build you find you clients because I mean, you know vendors are like everybody else they like to work with the people they like to work with yeah, and they, totally. they don't yeah. want to work
3: yeah, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. people who drive them crazy we yeah. all champion the people that we like right we all champion those that make our right. lives easier right. right
0: right
2: it's about building those relationships definitely
0: right, <laughs> right. Well, what was interesting to me because you know my former colleague clint smith who was the editor of veranda for a while he has just gone into He's now a competitor of yours all and he started his own design firm and i thought what he did was so smart because he sent out a mailer on paper it was like actually almost on like a high level newsprint overscaled, folded up thing it came in an envelope and it was just beautiful and obviously he's starting out and so he had storyboards with fabrics and tiles and all that it was, but it was so beautifully done and sure enough within Days it was all over social media. Mm. So I think there's all kinds of ways that you can get the word out yeah. of what you're doing, and you know email is don't shouldn't be forgotten, and even mail yeah shouldn't be forgotten. That's actually genius. Than email. That's actually yeah, really was, sort of that genius, is genius. Because and you know sometimes going against the tide uh-huh. of everything yes. really can pay off. So you
2: um, actually publicize your work. So it's all those stories, all those those uh, shots came other accounts.
0: Exactly. Other accounts. Exactly. So that's
2: very smart, actually.
0: Exactly. So, you know, I think it's so impressive how you guys have made yourself so, I mean, it's hard enough to do dealing with clients and creating beautiful homes, but the fact that you guys get your work out there and seen and known about is so impressive to me. I mean, you have to work on so many different fronts now. I really want to thank you. This has been so informative. I've learned a ton from this talking to you guys, and I really appreciate your taking part. And I want to thank everybody who's been listening to the Cherish podcast and thank you all for being here.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Michael.
0: Thanks for listening to the Cherish podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or colleague, or even better, go to the iTunes store and post a review. We appreciate your help in spreading the word. And we would love your ideas for future episodes please email us at podcast at Cherish.com. The Cherish podcast is produced by Britta Muller and edited by Max Solomon of Hanger Studios in New York. Until next time.